This is a Sci-Fi Rewind with Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog. To the Sci-Fi Rewind. This is episode 23 tonight. We are talking everything and all things Fifth Element. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And uh, we have with us some very special guests tonight. Um, In fact, this first guest was just on this last show that we did with the Walking Dead interviews. And with us is M. How are you doing, M? Hello. I'm good. How are you guys tonight? Well, thank we, you. Yeah, we're very good, very good. Excellent. And, uh, excellent. And, I have my uh, menu. I can't wait to order. Oh, yeah. Lots of Fist <laughs> Element stuff that we have going on. And, and then we have Rick from Wisconsin, where if you have been listening to the show often enough, especially listener feedback shows, his voice will not be unfamiliar to you because he's called in before. But this is the first time we've had him on in a live show, if you can call it live. Um, and uh, so, Rick, th- uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk about Fifth Element. Thanks. I, I'm very excited to record with you guys. I, I enjoy the show a lot, obviously, and uh, always kind of would like to get into podcasting, but I've never felt I had the technical know-how or the funding for the real good equipment that you might need. So uh, this is a way for me to get in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus, it's Fifth Element we're talking about. So Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, all right. So uh, let's uh, kind of let's just kind of leap in. Let's talk Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. So Fifth Element came out in what year, Miles? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. And this uh, this uh, by the way, I didn't realize till I began to do a little bit of research that they actually came out with a video game in Fifth Element as well. Did it say what system it was for? Uh, no, but it was ninety eight. Ninety eight okay. that came out. But it was voice it, acted by everyone. It was. It was not the Activision. It was the the the. After the Activision, there was another. It was before the the all the really good PSs came out, but I do remember the game's console from a million years ago, and the game really sucked. <laughs> okay. Sorry, well, the no, movie no. rocked. So yeah, well, there wasn't much on IMDb about it except that it actually existed, and it was voiced by well all the main actors. So this was nineteen ninety seven, also. So yeah, 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 ninety eight. So. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. But but this movie, 97, came out. And, uh, you know, this movie, 
when it came out, let me just give you some stats from from this movie. So this movie came out, it was released May 9th, 1997. It it cost, I believe I have this right, the production budget for it was about 90,000 I want to say. Uh actually, What was that? 90 million. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sure I got the wrong. I missed a few zeros there. <laughs> That's the number I had. Too. Yeah, yes, yes. So 90, 90 million uh it came out. It's opening week. It actually yeah, it actually um so that, but it, it, but it made a, t- a buttload of money. Um, didn't make that in U.S. totals, but uh, but foreign totals uh, with foreign totals came up to a worldwide uh, gross of of two hundred sixty three million. That's, Actually, two hundred sixty four million. So it made money for that. That's respectable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So today, if that would have happened, we'd have a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it said on my Blu-ray they did uh, seventeen million opening weekend which is pretty respectable too yeah we were talking at that time it was it yeah really absolutely. Was. yeah well you figure they, they would try to make the movie today that 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 budget could you know easily be a third more or even more than that well and they said at the time i believe it was the highest it was the highest budget for special effects like it was like the most costly special effects film at the time or one of them mm-hmm. now i said this came out with Maybe for a sci-fi film because I know that Titanic kind of blew that out of the water. Right, if I remember, right. if I remember that movie because that came out, we said that was the same year as Titanic. Is that right? Titan. It was. It, it, yeah. There were trailers for Titanic in '97, but it didn't actually get released until early '98. Well, actually, it was December, as as- December seven, '97, because they came out at Christmas oh, that year. Okay, so it was yeah. late, late. It was considered a '97 film. I think. Okay, they were in the same awards season. Yeah, because you know how the seasons aren't really calendar year; they're kind of. They're all a little bit cattywonky. Yeah. So they were definitely in the same um, um, award season. Yeah. Well, and, and when you take Titanic and you put it against Fifth, Fifth Element, Fifth Element doesn't have a chance. No. No, I mean, because I mean, I mean, it's Titanic after all. Well, <laughs> it, it was epic and it was beautiful. And yeah. like women went to see it 16, 17 times. <laughs> I know. I know. I was not one of them. <laughs> yeah. But it was an it was a, 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 an amazingly epic film. So and a fifth element fit a specific genre, but right. it, a broad one at that for you know it was a lot of people a, a a wide variety of people really gave it the thumbs up and really enjoyed it. But I mean it's it's freaking Titanic. Come on. I know, I know. Well I should mention that I'm I'm one of the twelve people in the world that still has not seen Titanic. Um, oh, wow. I actually went to a good um, Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie while the rest of my family went to see Titanic. <laughs> a little nice. spoiler alert: the boat yeah. goes down. Yeah, uh, I know. Actually, uh, for our twenty fifth wedding anniversary, I took my wife to the Milwaukee Public Museum where they had a display of artifacts from the Titanic. That was really neat. Yeah, I saw that in Baltimore when it was in Baltimore. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, in, in, if you want to relive the Titanic experience, rumor has it they're building a second one. Yeah, I'm not going on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, we know no. how this story ends. I saw it the first time. The sequels no better. So. Sometimes sequels suck. I mean, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. What was it? Break into Electric Boogaloo? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, All right. Uh, right, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, but then there is, but then there is, there is episode five. Uh, 
<laughs> well, that is, right. it. That, is if the, that is if the new, new Star Wars movies are in your personal time. Yeah, right, 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 right. So anyway, that's just some of the uh, that's some of the information as far as that goes. And my understanding that this we talked a little bit about how it, you know as far as major awards, obviously wasn't a contender for, but but and you had done a little bit of research as to uh, some of the awards it was up for and didn't really get. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, so. It was up for, I'm looking at my notes, I'm not going to lie, this isn't coming out of my brain. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Um, it was up for best effects and best effects, uh, sound effects editing, but it lost to Titanic. Um, but it did win a BAFTA for special for best special visual effects. I mean, that film was epically stunning. It was just, it was a visual it was like you were staring at a movie made of Skittles. It was so great. It was so <laughs> colorful. Um, and then as I go through here, there were Saturn Award nominations as well. And it lost Best Science Fiction to Men in Black. Men in Black. That's okay. Great movie. But Best Costume and Best Special Effects to Starship Troopers? <laughs> Starship Troopers. Yes. The, I, I just said Starship Troopers. That's right. That's I know you guys did a rewind on that a couple episodes ago, but I would like to do a rewind on how that movie sucked. <laughs> um, not that I have an opinion. Yeah, but no, then it got a couple. There were like uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier's envisionment of the costumes, along with the gentleman who did all the um, all the all the set design, and just it was it was it was epic. It was like watching a cartoon in real life. It was beautiful. I'm really shocked that they didn't win more um awards for that and then it's funny that um Mila Jojovovich I'm really sorry I said your name wrong Mila we'll discuss at lunch right um, right <laughs> she was up for a Razzie for worst supporting actress shocker Alicia Silverstone won for <laughs> Batman and Robin yeah, nah. yeah. who's who's shocked by this not, that one's for the right person yeah yeah definitely right. and then Chris Tucker was nominated for first for worst new star but I, I can't remember when um, all those Jackie Chan movies he was in came out. It was after. But I, I thought this put him kind of a little bit more on the map. Oh, I think yeah. it did. Too. I, oh. I didn't know who he was until I saw this movie. Yeah. But, I had okay. seen him in uh, Money Talks with Charlie Sheen before this. Mm. He stood, stood out from that movie in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the fact track, they say his big breakthrough was the movie Friday. <gasps> he, was ama- he was excellent in Friday. Uh-huh. I've never seen any of those. <laughs> those are really those. You know, they're not for everyone, but they. I think the first one is a must see because it's it's genius. It really is genius. Well, maybe someday <laughs> when you're in the mood. You know, I'm not gonna like you know shove it down your throat. Yeah. But I I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, he and he lost for worst new star to uh, Dennis Rodman. Shocker! 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 <laughs> for- well, he was actually a um, one of my favorite characters in this movie. And one of the actors that I, I liked seeing, I like everything I've seen him in. I have enjoyed his performance. <laughs> uh, it was interesting on the fact track that in casting that part, there were a couple other possible people that they tried to cast. Uh, one was Prince and the other was Lenny Kravitz. So, Ooh, interesting Lenny. that he got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Prince def- would have been a wet noodle. He just yeah. wouldn't have done it. No. But but you can see the influence, uh, the Prince influence, just in style, maybe in the flamboyance. Sure. 
yeah. and the behavior. But, yeah, but Chris, absolutely. And Chris Tucker can do comedy, so this was... Right. right. Yeah. It's like you have more than a two-word vocabulary. It must be green, okay? Okay? Can I talk to you for yeah. a second? Mm-hmm. I just talk to you. What? Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, something's happening here. I think we've been attacked. I don't know who they are, but they're everywhere. Wait a minute. Somebody hear this? It's coming at me. I'm in the first row. <laughs> oh my god. Coming. Oh my god. Coming, coming, coming. Another one coming, coming. Coming. I think we should go. Coming, coming. coming. One minute. One minute. Just give me a minute. I said one minute. Ruby, hold this gun. What? Hold this gun. What, 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 what you want me to do? Come on, put your hand on it. Oh my god. Put your hand on it. Got it? Hold it. What would I do? If you move, squeeze the trigger. <laughs> I don't feel right. I don't feel right, Cobra. <laughs> Think it's gonna be okay? Oh shit, three coming, Cobra. Three. <laughs> you guard this with your life. Oh my god. Oh my god, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is amazing. Oh my god. Call me Dallas, call me the man, call me Dallas, he's in trouble. Call me, call me, call me, this this was good for him yeah well so i well so let's we mentioned a couple different things we talked about briefly about special effects and we're talking about some characters here why don't we uh let let's let's chat about the special effects in this movie and what stood out to you as you watch this movie again maybe in the line of special effects Rick why don't we start with you um, if you don't mind Uh, what were some of the special effects that really stood out for you as you watched this movie again some of the visual effect near the end when they figured out how to work the four symbols and it had that little colorful thing going up we're never going to make it Corbin! Corbin, it moved! What'd you do? Show me what you did! Show me what you did! The special effects department, uh, they noted that was a tricky shot for them to do because they wanted it to be a a close-up of each of the people uh, getting these keys to work and yet throw that uh, effect in there and, and have it, like, fill the screen. But I thought that was a really good effect. And the, uh, the model exploding when the the bomb goes off on that uh, ship there it is a pretty spectacular effect. Uh, I liked the shootout, the whole shootout scene in the opera house in the bar and all of that. Uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm kind of partial to action movies. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. You know, and and I think you know we can talk about this later too. But that's that's classic Bruce Willis. When you're yeah, when, when you're in that when, when you're in that shootout scene, there's like machines, guns going off. You're thinking, okay, die hard, die hard, die hard. I mean, it's just like it's like <laughs> one big die hard mil- film in the middle of Fifth Element, you know, in that part. So, yeah. the, the costuming at the beginning, um, I always thought it was kind of strange, but reading 
what they had to go through to do that it was kind of impressive. Um, and I, I guess if you appreciate that style more, uh, it would it would make it better. Uh, I thought they were odd-looking characters, but there was actually like a reason for the the way they designed them and stuff. So. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about special effects for you? What what stood out for you from the special effect end of things? It just was so colorful and vivid that when you watch it on the big screen, even when I watch it on the computer, I I can get lost in it because there's so much depth to it as well. They really it wasn't just a, this the big city scenes. It wasn't just a big city and then the horizon. You really got to see like there were signs. I've stopped the DVD to look around. There the signs and then a pigeon and then the the dirt and then something's ripped and then um when that lunch trolley goes up to uh Corbin Dallas's house and he's sitting there eating lunch, and I've looked at that trolley and every little detail, and down to the costumes and the the way that they designed the characters, were um just everything was taken with with great care and love and and detail that it just made it so delicious. You got a message, yeah. And I can open it. Could be important. Yeah. Like the last one, that was important. First one was for my wife. Tell me she's leaving. Second was from my lawyer telling me he was leaving with my wife. Ayah, that is bad luck. But grandfather say it never rain every day. This is good news, guarantee. I bet you lunch. Okay. Come on. You are fired. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well. I want lunch. Good philosophy. See good and bad. I like. And there was an article that I sent that I was reading um, today uh, about the stylistic view, and it's it's based a lot like um, I'm going to butcher this. Bandi Desine, somebody who speaks French. Please tell me how to say that right. Yeah, that's which is a, better than I would do. <laughs> um, a medium of of French. Like anime, it's a very specific style that when people see it, they're like, "Oh, that's the French style." And as I'm reading this article, I was like, "That's exactly it. It looks, it's, it's the whole thing was very epically done, and down to a detail." And I'm sure that you know, ninety million dollars. As I was reading about how um, uh, Luke Benson, who wrote and directed, how he likes to do things and how he likes to create a story. It just, I, I, I appreciate it so very much that he cared so much to tell his story. I mean, visually, audio, with the audio, with everything, that the whole thing kind of rolls into an, an epic visual, like, feast. Like looking at Skittles. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, and you, you're talking about just the details when you're stopping scenes in the city. Um, there was one part I was reading, and I missed this the first time I watched it. There's a, there's a part in the film when when they're uh, when they're being chased through the city, um, where where Corbin and Lilu approach approach the intersection and his cab the camera kind of whips forward and reveals to the audience that there's like six police cars that are waiting for him ahead. And yeah, the, that's it, a great shot. And in, and in the in the far background behind the police cars, there's a chase between a police car and a long black car, complete with muzzle flashes um, between the two cars and. Uh, they kind of put it in there, and then the director saw it and left it in. 
So Ooh, I'm gonna have to watch for that. Yeah, so apparently it's, it's still in that. It's kind of this cool little thing in the background that you notice. Um, but you know, again, you um, you were mentioning attention to detail, and that's one of the things you noticed in this in this film. <clears throat> I think that's a, a hallmark of uh, all of Luke Besson's movies. I'm actually a, a big fan of him, and uh, we we had a discussion at work. Uh, about a month ago about what's your favorite movie and uh, another guy had already said Star Wars so I said since Star Wars was taken I would go with The Professional uh, mm. which is really uh, my number one favorite movie by him but I've seen most of the films that he's done and that is a, a hallmark of his style uh, the framing of the background uh, there's a lot going on in most of his movies and I, I really like his style Right. Well, I, I did read somewhere that they, when they talk, when they had, to, we, we talk, we'll get into characters later on, but whenever they have, uh, whenever they shoot, uh, was it Corbin? He kind of has this square around him. He's always kind of shot in this box uh-huh. with a box kind of around his head. And then one of the other characters, let me see if I can find this real quick. Gary Oldman has a circle. Yeah. It's kind of like a halo around his head the entire time. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. So. Hmm. Yeah. Also found it interesting. I didn't think about it, but you know, these are this is later on. We can talk about. I'm going to talk about it now. But uh, but the idea that these two characters never meet, like the the protagonist and the antagonist, never meet right. once throughout this film. They they have the one scene at the end when they're making their escape from the ship, where they're actually in the same scene, but they never interact. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of this. It's interesting. It's interesting. Interesting way of filming so <laughs> miles how about you what were some of the uh visual effects really stood out to you well you, the both of you already talked about a lot of the good ones there's one that stood out to me when i first saw the trailer for this uh the, and for 1997 this was you know this was cutting edge the one you see this this african-american guy and there's these couple of these aliens and they're, they're they're this warrior race and this is where uh uh, Gary Oldman, you know, tells him, you know, I'd rather just see your real face. And where the, the African American guy shakes his head, and he becomes that alien. Um, the transition from, you know, going from human looking to that alien, I thought for when I first saw it was very impressive. Um, it's a little more commonplace now, but for 1997, um, that was that was huge. That was uh, impressive looking. Hmm. Yeah, that that morphing. Uh, was a new thing then, and the scene later when uh, he's trying to get on the uh, claim the prize, and it's the imposter, and his face starts to twitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good scene too. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> whoever you know, his girlfriend is, is moving him away because he knows that he's going to lose his the the, the, the containment. Disguise. Yeah, the disguise is going to go away soon. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, like, I, you know, there are so many, again, as you guys have been mentioning, tons of good visual effects. You know, from the get-go, from the opening of the movie, when they're shooting this pyramid or this structure, uh, is it in Egypt? But wherever, this desert mm-hmm. place that they're kind of hanging out at, and they're in this structure that has all these archaeological things. Reminded me, I kept kept being throwback, thrown back into Stargate, because of the, I think because of the structure and it's kind of this pyramid type oh, yeah. mm, uh, thing. Right. And, and even the even the aliens kind of land in this ship and 
there's a little bit that, that technology is kind of there and um it's just an interesting uh visual effect just the way they they do the 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 mummy they do the uh they do the, the the aliens the way they're structured, um, very well done. I found myself as I went through the film saying, "There's very uh, obviously there's some dating to some of the styles, but but as far as visual effects go, I found that there was very little dating of it for me. I didn't think it felt that dated for me. I think the look still holds up I, for for the most part. It's stylized, no yeah. Doubt. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I thought it it still looked pretty good for being. Almost twenty years old now. Again, that's my. Those are my thoughts on the uh, visual effects of it. You know, we talk about visual effects. Sometimes we put this in line with music, and I just don't remember the music or the soundtrack being that. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not kind of subtle. Yeah, it's it's not. It, very it really right. undergirds the entire experience. I think it the, really helps the visual. But go ahead, Rick. The guy who did the soundtrack, his name is Eric Sarah. He's actually scored every feature film that Luc Besson has done where he's like director producer of the movie. Oh, wow. Luc Besson tends to work with some of the same people over and over in a lot of his movies. Um, in this movie, there were a couple that he worked with on others as well. Um, the girl with the blue skin, the singer, mm-hmm. uh, was actually married to him uh, going into this movie. And they got divorced, and he married Noah Yovovich following the movie, and they were married for two years, <laughs> and then divorced. And um, I know there were like uh, three or four other people involved in the behind-the-scenes production parts that had worked on at least two or three of his other films as well. Okay. Well, and he's, I've read that he, well, Gary Oldman's one of his best friends. Like oh, yeah. So he use he he will cast him when he can. Mm-hmm. And Gary Oldman is a great psycho. <clears throat> He's divine. He's just divine. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, how do you feel about um, how do you feel about the the soundscape of the entire uh, movie itself? Well, I tend to think of music as as another character in the film, unless it's a musical. It needs to be part of the film, and I if it's if it's not memorable, it's okay because that means it did its it did its job. Yeah, absolutely. There are scenes where I, I there it invoked certain feelings, or I it, it invoked certain fears. Even if the music is right, then it it does what it's supposed to do. I do remember it being kind of funky, kind of chunky, kind of a good bass, some a little techno here and there, and then of course when Ruby Red started singing all night long. Um, Lionel Richie, yo, um, <laughs> can't go wrong with that, right? Right, right. <laughs> so for me, it did its job. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was unremarkable, and that's you. That's a term like doctors will use with. Eh, it's unremarkable. It's not. It's there. It's not that big of a deal. So to me, I find I found the music to be uh, unremarkable. To oh, okay, that really helped this. That that helped invoke the feeling that I think they were going for. Yeah, you know what, and and you know the the opera piece is certainly memorable when she's singing there oh. in the backdrop of the planet is absolutely gorgeous, and has everyone mesmerized. Um, but when she starts going into the techno part, where you can tell it's somebody on a keyboard, it's just frustrating. 
Yeah. It, it annoys the crap out of me. But the first part, her, that aria was stunning. I get chills when I hear it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely very cool. Well, let's talk about some characters that are standouts for, for, for you folks. Uh, characters that maybe were memorable. Um, we already did mention them a little bit, but let's talk about this a little bit more, uh, a little bit more further. Em, let's start with you. Uh, char- give me one character that stood out to you. Lilo Minai. Lilo, <laughs> I used to be able to say the whole name. Um, something, something, something. Zabat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the concept of having the perfect creature, and it turns out to be a woman. Yo. Are we surprised? Not at all. <laughs> no, I'm certainly not at all being a member of that clan, <laughs> being A, awesome, and B, a female. So uh, it's all, it's kind of cool. I, I loved her character. I loved exactly what she did and who, you know, just, it was, it was a, she was the cartoon character you want to pretend when you go but if, if this was out when I was a little kid and we were and we were going to play outside I would want to play Lilu. I would want to be Lilu every time and I would knock somebody down to make sure I played her <laughs> you're right and good Nice, nice. Rick, how about for you? Give me a character that really stood out to you. Uh, well, actually, there's there's two, uh, and they're both because of the actors that play them. Uh, the president was played by Tiny Lister, who uh, back in the days of the WWF, he was a wrestler named Zeus, and uh, I watched him then, and I always like it when he pops up in a movie just because he has that crazy-looking eye. Uh, and uh, Brian Brian James is one of my favorite characters. He's been in so many things. Um, a number of well, you know, he was in Blade Runner, was an Enemy Mine, um, mm-hmm. and and he does a good job playing those kinds of characters. Uh, I sure miss him. <laughs> How about Miles? How about for you? Brian James' character was 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 one I was thinking also. Rick, I was I think that's the last thing I remember seeing him in was this movie. And uh, who, who, who could who could forget uh, Ruby Rod? I, I mean, uh, <laughs> he was just over the top, ridiculous, but absolutely brilliant. I mean, as far as um, what he was doing. Um, Croquet contest coming at you live from Flaston. Hotel, and Miss Jimmy Lyon Crockett, 10 persons at $8,000 luxus here to enjoy the privilege 
of the unique concert of Miss Plavala Kuna. And now we get to what must be those beautiful concert halls. Oh, the universe, a perfect replica of the old opera house. But who cares? To my right, a row of ministers, more sinisters than ministers to my left. Baby Ray, star, stage, screen. He's not going to get much out of this concert because he's stoned up. To who? And here we have Roy Von Baker, king of Laser Ball. And here the emperor of Kodajapet, his lovely daughter I love to sing. She recently confessed to me. By the way, I have a recording of her talented voice. <sighs> I play the rest of the song after the concert because right now it's time for Carmen to say the word of the day. So tell me, my man. You were happy here uh, in the big world. Thrill, 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 thrill. Just, it just seemed, I mean, there's a lot of wackiness with this movie, but but even that, he just seemed to come out of left field uh, when, when, he, when he first came on the, on the screen and started doing his thing. Um, and then when things start going to pot, watching him scream like a girl is it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> that once, you talk about the shootout in, in the opera house where. I don't know what what Bruce Willis's character, what Dallas and 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 Ruby are laying on, but he's shooting and they're and 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 Ruby is just still screaming his head off like a little girl. Don't move. What? What's he doing? Count to ten. Yeah, that's funny. Is that when they're under the pool table? Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, go. <laughs> you oh, know, and he, yes. he provides this, and, and he provides this running commentary to everything that Bruce Willis is doing because his right. show is still on. Right, his show is still on the whole time. He's just giving his show, and it's it's just too funny. Give me the gun, the gun, the gun. I'm gonna go and try to see if I can see something a little closer. And all of his screaming made me laugh, but especially when he's up above Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis shoots around him so that he falls through the floor. Oh, yeah. That was just that scream he lets out as he's falling is one of the funniest parts. You know, in the role is so, I mean, if you watch other Chris Rock movies, I mean, this is the same, he has the same type of voice cadence that he kind of delivers in this film. This is really classic Chris yeah. Rock. Chris Tucker. Oh, Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. That's a Chris Rock? Yeah. Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. So totally different ballgame with Chris Rock, but yeah. that'll be a dollar. <laughs> yeah, but but Chris Tucker, yeah, definitely. I think for me, one of the uh, standout characters. You know, this is this is was bugging me, but the guy that plays the monk, that's kind of the the, the monk that's kind of the protector supposedly of this sacred Ian site. Holm. Ian Sir, Holm, yes. Sir Ian Holm, now. yes, yes, yeah, yes, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal job. Baptiste. Emmanuel Zorg, 
It's nice to see you again, Father. Ah, I remember you now. The so-called art dealer. I'm glad you got your memory back. Because you're going to need it. Where are the stones? I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't tell somebody like you. Why? What's wrong with me? I tried to save life. But you only seem to want to destroy it. Oh, Father. You're so wrong. Let me explain. Life, which you so nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder, and chaos. Now take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene, boring. But if it is destroyed, look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how this one is useful. What a lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now, think about all those people that created them. Technicians, engineers, hundreds of people who will be able to feed their children tonight so those children can grow up big and strong and have little teeny-weeny children of their own and so on and so forth. Thus, adding to the great chain of life. Water. Fruit. You see, Father, by creating a little destruction, a cherry. I'm, in fact, encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business. Cheers. Where's the robot to pat you on the back? For the engineer! Oh, are they children? Maybe. There, you see now how all your so-called power counts for absolutely nothing. How your entire empire of destruction comes crashing down, all because of one little cherry. Save my life, and in return, I'll spare yours. For now, you're a monster, Zork. I know. Right. Um, just in his character, and such a uh, memorable character. Like, and, and he does, and he has these quirky moments, like when he falls out of the alcove, wrapped and entangled in all those cords. You know, on the are ship. Are we there yet? Yeah. yeah. Are we there yet? <laughs> you know, that's Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I love know, the scene back, with back him. in the Shire. <laughs> I love the scene with him and Gary Oldman in Gary Oldman's office where Yeah. I mean where you know Oldman he's just uh, saying you know we're not that different. I mean you to make something happen basically you know you have to break things and destroy things and so we can rebuild it. He has his little this the small little army of robot maids clean up after him and he eats that cherry, or you know, he doesn't eat it. He just, you know, st- tries to swallow it and starts choking. And it's just, mm-hmm. uh, 
That yeah. is it, that is one of the best the best like mini monologues where it goes on and on about well chaos begets begets this beautiful dance of of cleaning it up and then look and these things pop up and the cherry and then the glass of water and he throws the cherry in the water and he's trying to be all nonchalant drinking just continuing this air of well f you because I'm awesome and look at what technology and look what all this does for me and I create this and then E.M. Holm while he's choking is going around you know you know with all of these things around you what can help you what can what are the, the simplest things in life you don't even have around you to help you mm-hmm. which is kind of a metaphor for the whole thing for this oh, whole yeah. movie the you know it's the basic elements of life that it what saved the planet it's not it's not all the nukes that they fired which made the, that giant planet get bigger it's not you know having the best lasers and the best weapons and you know nobody asks what the little red buttons for boom you know it's not all that it's the simple basic elements and that 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 scene sets it up so nicely for the rest of the movie or it, i'm just reading a lot into it no 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 i think you're right i mean it, it it, it it's kind of played off as comedy, but at the same time, it's like you said, it's it's a metaphor for the whole movie, really. And it's easy to miss that, that this is really a commentary on. I mean, you can take this and just look at our technological world, you know, and everything that we're involved in. That you know, we get we tend to get lost in it pretty easily. At least I do. And it's not uh, when it comes down to it when you know major events happen just in our personal lives. It's not the thing that matters. You know, there's 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 something that's far more core, rudimentary in mm-hmm. in, in life, and so Amen, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we, certainly, uh, you know, you experience that with family and things that you deal with with family sometimes. So, so uh, I think that it certainly makes a commentary on that that there needs to be a priority and right structure for that. But, but yeah, um, where were we at? Main characters that we liked. Is that where we? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Oh, I mentioned the, the cleric's yeah, character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cleric Ian Holm. Mm. So, yeah, I loved his character. Sidekick, I could have done without. That was, he was okay. Didn't do much for me. He was, he was you know, he, he did what he needs to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, since Rick got two, I get another one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I did basically because of my love of Gary Oldman, uh, Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. He couldn't have been more delicious of a villain. His. <laughs> With the costume and the look and the sound of his voice and the way he delivered everything, it just, it couldn't have been anybody but Gary Oldman who could have carried off that much evil in, in, in an elegant structure. Voila, the GF1. That's live. Handles adjustable for easy carrying, good for riders and lefties. Breaks down on four parts, undetectable by x ray, ideal for quick, discreet oh. interventions. A word on firepower. Titanium recharger, 3,000 round clip with bursts of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zorg invention, it's even easier. One shot. Replay sends every following shot to the same location. And to finish the job, all Zorgodies but Goldies. Rocket launcher. Arrow launcher. With explosion of poisonous gas head. Very practical. Our famous net launcher. The always efficient flamethrower. My favorite. And for the grand finale, the all-new Ice Cube system. (laughs) 
Honest killed millions of people, I haven't saved a single one. I'll tell you what I do like, though. A killer. A dyed-in-the-wool killer. Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. Now, a real killer, when he picked up the ZF-1, would have immediately asked about the little red button on the bottom of the gun. <laughs> Bring me the priest. And make it Except fun to for watch. that thing on his head was driving me bonkers. Oh man, that's like a terrible. Oh, what, what, I loved it, but I hated it, and it's so <laughs> Jean Paul Gaultier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did, a, and he did. A, he did such a great job in that role. Uh, what do you have that one line about being evil that we'd read earlier? What was that one about? Well, uh, this is where uh, uh, Cornelia says, uh, "You're a monster," and Zor goes, "I know." <laughs> yeah. There's no, you know, just kind of deadpan, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's always being duped, you know. Anytime he uh, thinks he has the uh, the four elements, and uh, he doesn't. Oh yeah, every time, twice, twice at least twice. But there is that moment where he closes the box, and he just has this this maniacal, pathetic laugh. <laughs> I can't even. I, I'm oh, not even yeah. gonna mimic it. I know exactly. You just. You just you you relished the joy of him being in pain right there. Right, right, and that's that that's that's a scene when he's just fled the ship after putting a bomb on it, right? And he opens oh, yeah. he opens the suitcase and there's like nothing there, and he has that little laugh he does, and he turns around and goes back. <laughs> but and I love that. I mean, talk about that. We, we talk about that scene when he like shuts off the bomb with five seconds, and then the people that he's kind of duped have a, like a second bomb. <laughs> Or maybe override the bomb. Yes, the override. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Uh, well, Miles, do you want a second since Rick got two? Well, I, I got. Well, I, I, I gave two. <laughs> you gave two. Well, I, mm-hmm. I didn't give two, and no one's saying this, but Bruce Willis's character. Come on, did we mention that? Did we? No, he didn't. But he, yeah. it should be mentioned. He should definitely should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. The role is classic Bruce Willis. I mean, as far as what you know and what you enjoy, Bruce Willis. Uh, to have to have as far as saving the down and outer the person that's kind of fleeing and um, you know kind of at any moment you expect him to break out with a yippee ki and just go to it you know and he and he doesn't but but he has these moments and especially we mentioned the whole opera house uh, bar scene the shootout there that's very classic Willis but even even driving the cab is kind of that way so. He plays the world weary uh, hero well. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. The ex- he plays a vet beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like does. he's he always his characters always seem to be veteran of something that may or may not have shot him or caused him some bodily harm. Right, right. So, <laughs> but uh, there are sweet moments with him too. Like there, there are just very moments where I, I, I his his. Decisions for how to 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 how to act in that scene. There are moments where he gets really quiet to deliver something, or just the look on his face. He really, he, it's it's not just the the shoot him up kind of scenes. It's those little poignant moments, like when he's on the phone and he's talking about having met the girl, having met uh, Lilu. Mm-hmm. 
And you can kind of see that look in his face where you know you made that look in your face on your face when you talked about you know you're someone that you you're absolutely smitten with, and he he delivers it beautifully. And then you know he goes and blows some crap up, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I do love the quiet little moments with him. You know, it's I he took some really good care with those, and I as a fan, I appreciate that. I liked his apartment. His apartment was kind of cool with the uh, retractable. Well, he had the retractable insta refri- bed, the insta bed, insta refrigerator, insta shower, insta coffee. You know, right. we talk about you know the, the apartment. Um, I, I love the scene where he has to, he hides the, those three military people in his in his freezer or refrigerator or whatever, and then he hides Lilo in the shower and the priest in the uh, insta bed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he he turns them into meat pops. I think this is a door. There's no name and no number. Let's see it. Sir, are you classified as human? Uh, negative. I am a meat popsicle. Which they reference mm-hmm. in the movie. Great line, <laughs> by the way. Well, did you notice in the apartment they have, they say, put your hands on the circles. It's like, oh, they have them like in every apartment, I guess. At any time, you, you need to be concerned that... The law, it's a bust. The law could be coming at your house at any time and just, uh, okay, we're just going to have the position already in your apartment. We'll have the circles already there. We'll make it very easy for you. I just noticed. I mean, they had it in his apartment. They had it in the one guy who... The neighboring apartment. Told him to smoke off, uh, uh, you know... They had it in the airport too when um, when Zerg's guy was like, "But I am Corbin Dallas," and he smashes the window and all the lights and everything. Put your hands in the circle, please. Yes, they had that together yeah. there too. Yeah, he wasn't long for this world after that. No, they were very they were very quick way of dealing with crime in this world. <laughs> <laughs> did we mention uh, Did we mention uh, Jovovich's character at all? Lilu, she was the first one we talked about. Oh, yes, yeah, Lilu Dallas Multipass. You know. Uh, this was really for me when this is kind of her first real big role, if I'm correct. Did did, did she do much prior to this movie? This was her fifth film, but um, I think it was the first that was that big. Okay, she yeah. did Joan of Arc after that. Okay, I forgot she played Joan of Arc. That's right. Yeah, she wasn't very chaste in this movie, though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, and she was in Chaplin, and that was really the only one of note. They had returned to the returned to the Blue Lagoon, but really, no. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. And Dazed and Confused, which that was that was a pretty good movie. There was an interesting note on the fact track there that she was sixteen when she made Dazed and Confused, and she eloped with another one of the stars. But her mother had the marriage annulled shortly after. <laughs> Oh, funny. Wow, funny. she's making some good choices. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Was that out loud? Yeah, no. Are we recording this? No. Oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, right, right. You know, but not. This is, uh, but her role, even in this, is, is really, it's really classic. Like, if you watch any of the Resident Evil movies, it's kind of, this is, this is her, really, and just as far as she portrays, this is her type of acting, her characters. I found it interesting, I was reading uh, some commentary on this that that the language that she speaks uh she and the director were able to converse in it by the end right yeah and that is awesome uh, there there was an award when you mentioned awards earlier it said on the 
the track that I was watching, she won the MTV uh, Fight of the Year award for the fight scene in this movie near the end. Nice. A lot, lot of young ladies like to be her for... for, for uh, oh, you see a lot of conventions. Sci-fi conventions. Yeah. yeah, dress up dressing for up cosplay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen... There's a photo, photo floating around of a gentleman at Comic-Con this last year um, who was Lilo. Lilo oh. Dallas Multipass. And, um, yeah, let me just tell you, don't really go, don't need to look at it. It's as bad as you think it is. <laughs> that's like the, uh, that's like the man that was dressed up as seven of nine. Yeah. That, I'm not curious about yeah. that at all. No, no not, not really. No. Not really. No. And there are some people that can carry off that outfit and then there are some that really shouldn't. You know, and I respect someone for having the cojones to do, you know, when I go to cons and I see people cosplay like that and I'm like, well, you know what? You got bigger your hoes are bigger than mine, baby. <laughs> rock on. You rock that piece of whatever it is and wherever it is. Because right. you got cojones. Yeah. This is def- definitely, definitely. As far as, um, as far as memorable scenes that really stick out to you, what are, what are some of the scenes? We're talking about the actors. We're talking about the sound, the effects. But how about the scenes are, or maybe, maybe along with that, maybe some of the quotes or speeches that came out to kind of stick out for you. Miles, why don't we let you go first? Well, um, there is, there is the, the space plane leaving, um, with, uh, with, with, with Corbin and, um, Lilo getting, getting in that plane. Uh, the whole plane scene itself when they're trying to get rid of, um, Foreign organisms. I mean, they're just they 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 root them out and then they just get a flamethrower and just you know burn them. Right. Uh, it was just it was just funny. Um, and I think they, they think that the, the priest is a foreign organ. If we found another foreign organism on here or whatever. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. the priest. They think the priest is one mm-hmm. of another yes. contamination. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I think for me the entire chase scenes. You know, went through the city with the cab is always you know it's you know trying to avoid the cops and there's lines of cops and then there's those cops at McDonald's um you know which by the way the guy the actor that was playing the cop at McDonald's his name was Mac McDonald oh gosh okay so, <laughs> well so, i was <laughs> but but that Are you entire kidding me? yeah i'm serious i found that in imd imdb said it, it has to be right but go ahead <laughs> when i when i watch these movies that 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 depict the future i always like to see what they think the future will be like and for some reason, this detail jumped out at me. The when they're when putting the cups of soda in there, they're, they're still paper cups. We were still using, I guess, still using paper cups back in the late nineties. We're we've been using plastic cups now, so they they weren't thinking that you know that that, that part mattered. I mean, it was still McDonald's, yeah, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The well, there's so many there's so many things that kind of throw into the future. Even the even the uh, even the cruise ship. That's orbiting. Well, it's it, it's stylistically. I mean, it's 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 this it's this grand cruise ship, but it's it looks like a ship. I mean, a, a, like a cruise ship, but it's it, it's a spaceship, though. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the taxi cab still the taxi cab look to it. Even though they fly, they're still sort of this nineteen forties fifties retro. Of, maybe it's retro then. It's, it's a retro the old one. school yellow yeah. cab. Yeah, yeah right, mm-hmm. right. Even it's the cop classic. cars. It's a classic New York. Icon, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I and mean, you really can't have New York City without even Central Park that they have floating there is kind of this, you know, these classic icons. You mentioned earlier on the view of the Statue of Liberty as they kind of fly out from there, right? Too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of this, but I think one of my favorite scenes really comes out is, uh, or a favorite scene, maybe not the most favorite, but my favorite scene is there's a, this, this chase scene had a lot of, you know, dimension. They're going up, they're going down, they're escaping, they kind of hide, and uh, it, it's it's like one thing right after another, and you know, and the cops are doing their typically cop blunders as they typically do, and they are chasing someone mm-hmm. that has to get away. But, you know. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Rick, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, can you give us a, do you have another favorite scene as well? Actually, I guess two. (laughs) One is short. When the the president is on the phone and they've got the uh, cockroach with the little camera on it uh, (laughs) and then he smashes it. I just love that. (laughs) Short short scene, but it's so funny. The guy's ripping off his headphones. Ah, ah, ah." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And uh, I liked when Gary Oldman was demonstrating the guns to those uh, alien guys and, you know, shooting everything with them, and especially when he fires the first bullet and then says, and then every bullet after that will go to the same place. And he turns around, points the gun at them, but all the bullets fly away and they're all ducking because they think they're going to get shot. Right, right. Um, and it, that's a scene like right after he goes, I wonder if I told him about the red button. <laughs> yeah right yeah right before that yeah because when you have a red button you always need to push it you always push the red button <laughs> always 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 what was your what was your other scene well, those were the two the, oh. the demonstrating the guns and the cockroach one. Oh yeah very good very good um how and, about you and i kind of like the scene when when uh <clears throat> corbin shows up and they they were uh holding the gun to lilu's head and uh, said, you know, they want to negotiate, and he just shoots the guy. This is it. I'll be over here. Let's go. Let's go. Fire! 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 You in charge? Yeah. I'm out there. Uh, I, I don't know. Seven on the left, five on the right. Two on the left. We need to find the leader. Mangalores won't fight without the leader. Watch out. We'll start getting hostages. That's the leader. Send someone to negotiate. I, 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 I've never negotiated. I, you mind if I try? No, no, sure, sure, sure. We're sending somebody in to negotiate! Anybody else want to negotiate? Where did he learn to negotiate like that? <laughs> that was good as well. That's a great scene. It's like, do, do you want me to take care of this? Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead and do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Em, how about you? Do you have a scene that kind of stands out for you? I I love the scene where um, Lilu is learning and she's in a bathrobe and um, the younger monk brings her the box of stuff and she she's she's eaten what looks like a giant Thanksgiving meal, and she's speaking in flawless Mandachiwan, like I, you know, like that's a real language. But and right. apparently it is because they were having a conversation in it. She's like, there's not a stutter, not a stutter. She just goes on and on, and it's not like like when you're speaking a foreign language or you try you. You can kind of tell if someone's kind of pushing their way through it. She's speaking it like she's you know that was her language from birth. 
she plugs in this disc into the microwave. Ten seconds later, she pulls out a whole nother chicken and she goes, chicken, <laughs> and go, walks back to the computer and she's reading <laughs> and she's learning and she's having this whole conversation. And and the monks are like, what, what, what is she doing? What is she doing? And she's just la, 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 chicken. And, and this and she tells them what to do. That little that little vignette with them is adorable. And then she just, oh, clothing and she just drops and the boys turn around and their right. faces turn pink and it that I liked that moment where it was it was basically a lot of basil exposition but it was done so well <laughs> that you're not you're not be, you're not realizing they're being force fed exposition Mm, very true, very true. And you know the other thing about that scene is it's she's learning so fast. You know, images just flying by, and it reminds me very much of that one scene in the Matrix where where Neo's just plugged in and just learning stuff rapidly. Has that same kind of feel there. I know kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want more? Mikey likes it, but no. <laughs> I watched that movie too many times, but. Um, <laughs> But the, but that, that entire scene is just is just great, and it really is kind of a preamble for the final scene where she's kind of or the final scenes where she's going through the dictionaries and she's up to V with violence and then W for war and she's all those horrific images, and which complicates her character right at that final scene as they're in the pyramid where she's built to save humanity but she she's not built to love or she doesn't think she is and mm-hmm. and Bruce Willis comes in with his charm and endearment and kisses her let's go Leo. wake up wake up it's time for you to work now protect life Lelu, Lelu, listen to me, listen to me, listen, listen, I know you're very tired, I know you're very tired, I'll take you on a vacation when we're done, I swear, a real vacation, a real vacation, just you and me, but listen to me, if you don't do something right now, we're all gonna die, you understand? What's the use of saving life when you you do with it? It'll be entering the atmosphere in 40 seconds. Lelu, you're right, you're right, you're right, but there are, there are some things, very nice things worth saving, some beautiful things, beautiful things. Yes, love. That's good. That's good. That's a good example. Like love. Love is worth saving. I don't know love. I don't know love. I was built to protect, not to love. So there's no use for me other than this. No, 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 no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, I need you. I need you very much. Tell her, uh, Colin.
And that is the fifth element. <laughs> yeah, that would work on me. <laughs> you want me to do what now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can we make out some more? All right. I'm right there. Right there. Right there. Um, but you know, I, you know, talk about a scene that you know when you when you at number one this this whole coming back to the. I want to call it a pyramid, but it wasn't a pyramid, was it? It was like this other structure. Or was it a pyramid? I can't they, remember. They call it a temple. They call it. So this temple, they bookend the movie with this temple and um and is and, and and with the fifth element. And and we talked, um and I'm gonna ask you to talk about this just a little bit, just to put you on the spot. It, it, they come in with each one of the elements is an element of earth, you know, water, wind, fire. What was the other one? I missed one. Water, wind, fire, earth, land. Wind. Yeah, earth, earth, mm-hmm. earth, wind, fire, and 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 rain, <laughs> but but the and then you know love is the fifth element. These are the essentials. You know, um, you found an article um, that kind of commented on this. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? <sighs> um, I would if I had read it a little bit more. Okay, okay. Um, there's an well, article. We'll link in the show the, notes. <laughs> this particular article talks about the um, alchemical romance of the fifth element and how um, this how there are so many different structures. There's so many things that align with the, the science of alchemy and the telling of this story. Um, without, I mean, we, if I were you, I would post the link to this for people to read. Cause it's really interesting. And, and, and the relationships for how you could, the relationship is the wrong word. The symbolism between, some of the imagery you saw in the movie and how it aligns to the story of the five elements within alchemy and within that science, if you will. Well, it is a science. Um, it was really kind of interesting. It was the symbolism of, of Corbin Dallas and the symbolism of Lilu and, and who she was and where she came from. And, um, I'm not going to do it justice, is what I'm basically trying to tell you. Uh, but I'm sure that your pal Scott will post the link. I will um, do that so. to this blog, and it's from a couple of years ago. But it's it, it's very it's from oh not a couple of years ago. It's from September of 2012. So it's it's it it I found it to be a really great way of of viewing the, the, the fifth element and having read this the next time I go and watch it, I think I'm going to look for even more of those little, those little, um, those tie-ins. And and really the article says it extremely well. I just want to excerpt just one part of it because, you know, in the end, at the very end, you know, you see Lilo and Corbin, you know, you know, doing their thing in the sarcophagus, right at the very end. You know, when the president comes and his mom calls, and that whole scene, and and you might be saying, well, they're just throwing that in there. It's kind of a gratuitous thing that they're just kind of ending because you know, mid nineties movies, you know, you have to have a sex scene there at the very end. Um, but but this article says there's something that very intentional about putting a scene in there like that. And I'm just going to read two paragraphs from this article. It says. The trip back seems to be going well until Lilu stumbles across the subject of war in her humanity study. She is so driven to despair by the visions of man's inhumanity to demand that she's unable to perform the ritual. Stones are put into place, but the fifth element isn't activated. Cornelius reckons that Lilo needs a first-hand lesson on the ways of love to ease her despair over man's barbarism, so he orders Dallas to have a snog with her. 
Gallus and Lilo, Neck and the evil planet or something is are others destroyed in an orgasmic burst. The film ends with Corbin and Lilo enjoying a hearty shag in the sarcophagus type reactor chamber of the nuclear lab as the president of Earth and the worldwide television audience looks on. Um, and apparently this is a symbolism. Um, the final scene where they kind of copulate um, in... You just like the fact I said this on the diner, but 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 the uh, while the Lord of we're Earth we're eating. Oh my god! I know. Yeah, <laughs> copulate in the reactor chamber while the Lord of Earth looks on is directly taking his cues from the three of the pivotal stages of the alchemist so-called chemical marriage process. So, like, there's a very intentional. This this is thrown in the way they're, the way they have the president there and everything is very intentional and mm-hmm. really spelled out in this. This, this article that I will post a link to. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, you can do that. Are you guys there? Yeah. Okay, okay. I said... I thought, we're in awe of your speech, and no. you said you said naughty things while we're eating food. I know, don't I know. say things like that at the diner. I said I used the proper terms. I know, you just don't... That's just not proper conversation for a meal, son. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Okay, Tia. <laughs> uh, we mentioned some scenes. Any favorite quotes to kind of uh, stand out? Um, Lilu Dallas multipass. Yeah, Lilu Dallas multipass. Multipass. She knows it's it's a multipass. She's my wife. She knows already. That little that banter right there. I could play that over and over and over again. Just makes me giggle every time. Lilu Dallas multipass. Yeah. Multi pass. You know this multi pass. Lilo Dallas, my wife. We're newlywed. Just met. Multi-pass. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks multi-pass. happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multi pass. Oh, very nice. How about for you? There was nothing that really stood out, but when uh, Chris Tucker was doing his spiel at the Opera House, that, that was the scene that I always enjoy each time I see the movie over again. And this, this was one of those movies that. I, I didn't buy it years ago. I I saw it and I would watch it again when it was on TV. And then I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And I went and got a copy from the library and watched it again. And about a month ago, about the time that I heard you were going to do this rewind, I uh, stopped by Walmart and they had some Blu-rays for seven eighty eight. And this was one of them. I grabbed that in the last Starfighter 25th anniversary edition. And uh, I said, great. And so I threw it in hoping there'd be some like extra stuff on there. And I was disappointed in the sense there was no special feature behind the scenes or anything like that, or even deleted scenes. But it did have the fact track, which gave me a lot of stuff I didn't know about the movie. Yeah. I bet this movie translated really well into Blu-ray. It looked fantastic. I, I have uh, a nice birthday present for my wife last year of a, 46-inch LED TV, so it's, uh, it looks really good on there. Awesome. How, how about uh, quotes for you, uh, Miles? Well, when we talk about Lilo watching this video and watching um, these war images, uh, she says something, I don't know love, I was built to protect, not to love, so there's no use for me other than this. Um, so she's sort of having a little mini existential crisis at this point. And also just not a question of whether to save humanity, but whether she should save humanity. It was yeah, whether they're worth saving. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, so 
you know, Dallas had to convince her that humanity was still worth saving. There was, there, yes, the war part is horrible, but there's other, you know, humanity is not just war. Like humanity can be good. Yeah, there's multi. Uh, we're a complex character, I guess. To yeah. Say, yeah, you have that balance. You know, you can decide what what you want to focus on. But she's learning about man, and she sees that that that's like the worst aspect. Right. Right. And the best aspect is her capacity to love, maybe, is the other side mm-hmm. of that. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. The, uh, I think the quote, the, one of the quotes, and this is not actually or, or original to the movie, but when Gary Oldman's character quotes uh, Nietzsche and says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that. And, uh, you know, ironically, Bruce Willis releases, released, uh, I found somewhere that he released a record album on Motown Records with that title. Uh, yeah. And then 11 years later, Heath Ledger said it, in Dark Knight, two, uh, uh, you know, also starring Gary Oldman. Mm. So, that's one of them. So, a little bit of connection there, but mm-hmm. yeah. The one thing when we when I was doing some prep work for this, um, I figured that some people really pan as far as critiquing goes. There would be people who love it and people who hate it, but there were I'd read some. I didn't even copy them because I, I kind of hurt my – I took it personally. <laughs> I don't know why because I just really like the movie. Um, there were some people out there who really just abhorred this movie, that it was bubblegum, that it was basically um, – it was a ridiculous form of sci-fi. It wasn't even sci-fi. It was just kind of cartoonish and it was pandering to the lowest common denominator um, just little things like that, and it, it's it's such a. I don't think I've ever run into someone who didn't like it, or you know, if it's on, you watch it because it's it's one of those kind of movies. But I, I was curious if any of you have in prepping or talking to anyone if if that's come up that no, my God, this is the worst movie ever. How could you waste that much time? Blah blah blah. I know. No, I, Go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, I, I didn't see anything like that. Um, I don't usually read other people's reviews for stuff like that. I just kind of go with how I feel about it. But I did think about it. If you wanted to be critical, you could say, uh, in certain sense, some of the characters were your run-of-the-mill, what you would expect in it. You know, the, the burned-out soldier who's lost his marriage and, and retreats, but then they have to go recruit this guy because he's the only one that can do the job. Uh, sure, I've seen that in twenty other films. That's not. I'm not watching it because it's totally original. I'm watching it because it's entertaining. Yeah, uh, you know, you might be able to argue that you know Chris uh, Chris Tucker's character is a bit over the top. You know, <laughs> and you think just a little bit, a little. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you might you might argue that you watch it because of, of Chris Tucker's hairstyle in this movie. Yeah, right. The ho-ho on his forehead. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, I think what I would love to do is uh, do a philosophical rewatch of this movie with the alchemist view, reading that uh, that article in Alchemy. And I think there's there's a heck of a lot of depth to this movie that people just don't realize if they're saying this is a science fiction flick and they watch it just as is. But if you go into it, with another framework in mind, I bet there's a heck of a lot of stuff I missed. You know, there just is. I agree with that. I, I'm going to yeah. watch it a little differently now that I've read that article. Yeah. Uh, anything else that we want to chat about before we do a little bit of trivia here? 
Do we talk about we talk about costumes? We talk oh, about, you, anything else you want to say about costumes? No, they were just it was it was it was surprising in a good way. Like, oh my gosh, he used that. It's well, it's very. I'm a big fan of Jean Paul Gaultier. I find that his use of of materials, not fabric, but materials, to create something is is spectacular. And to see what he did with, you know, latex and and tubing and just it was an just an epic display of his crazy little brain. And I adore him for it. Hmm. I, I was going to say uh, I discovered that there's a apparently a museum that this film company has in France. And a number of different things from the movie could be seen there if you if you ever go there. Awesome. Uh, one that was interesting was that the, at the beginning, uh, to get the uh, right hair color for Lilu, they were dyeing her hair, uh, but it started to make the hair break. So they actually created a wig, and that wig is in the museum. Okay. All right. Nice. I love I love the orange hair. <laughs> Great. It's awesome. Uh, how about Miles? How about for you? Um, there's another scene I thought, which was just just kind of, I mean, this this movie had a lot of good humor in it. Um, when when Bruce Willis first takes Lilo to the, the priest's house and he barges the door, the priest says, oh, "Weddings are down the hall." And uh, yeah. and then uh, that the, 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 that a few minutes later, um, Zorg's uh, uh, cronies barge in and he goes, "Oh, wedding? Somebody yeah. get married?" Right, right. That that was classic. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, well, let's move into a little bit of trivia here, and then we'll uh, wrap up our Fifth Element show here. When president, when the president tells Father Vito Cornelius he has twenty seconds to state his point, Vito talks for exactly twenty seconds. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That's a, that's oh, a good, very nice. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the people that you see in the city are actually the special effects animators themselves. Save a little money on extras. Well, they just, they just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. But they say the number five, the number five appears in the movie on several obvious occasions. There are five elements. Corbin Dallas's license has five points left. Uh, Zorg stops his bomb with five seconds remaining in the timer. And Magna Lori's bomb starts with a five second timer. Ruby Rod near the end of the movie, after the alien planet, it stops, says, there's going to be a bomb going off every five minutes. Um, the doctor at the end says Lilo and Corbin need five more minutes. Ruby Rod's show is at five. And when Lilo first walks into the Flossing Paradise, she looks up at the five windows and says, wow. <laughs> and, so, uh, and, it was, and it was also the fifth film Chris Tucker made and the fifth film Noah Yovich made. Oh, awesome. Mm. So, know, there's a lot in there. Well, Luke, director Luke Benson. Is that the, Besson? Is that the way you say his Besson. name? Besson. Besson. He's uh, French. Yeah. So Luke Besson has stated in numerous interviews that the fifth element is actually sexual intercourse. Okay. There you go. See, this is really a porn. We just didn't know this, Miles. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> totally changes the way I view this film. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, that's what he says, at least. Um, I wouldn't have interpreted it that way. At the end of the movie, when Corbin's mother calls and the president passes off the phone, you can hear her complaining, I might as well throw myself into traffic, surrender myself to the bed and pretend my child's suffocating me. She's listing off the previous scenes within the movie. I was trying to find who, well, it's just the voice, but who played his mother on, on IMDb. I couldn't find it anywhere. I was wondering if that woman was anybody in particular. She's not credited. Yeah. 
<laughs> she's not credited. Mm-hmm. Not credited. But it, she's, you know, the classic mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, I get it. You want to make your only mother beg. Is that right? No, I don't want to make you beg. Mm-hmm. Oh, Corbin, they've been blaring your name on the radio for the last hour, you big ape. <laughs> I think you could have played the mom. I would have loved it. These are great lines, you Sorry. miserable bastard. You never should have, I should never should have pushed you out. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to say those lines? Those are some those are definitely some great lines. Yeah, that, that, that woman should be credited because it was it was it was great. It was yeah. funny. She's like like it's on the level of like Wallowitz's mom. Right, from- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we, we should wrap up the show here. I want to thank both of you for joining us tonight here in the Sci-Fi Diner. Uh, so thank you, M, thank for you. joining us, and Rick for joining us all the way from Wisconsin. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So before we go, let's give uh, each of you a chance to plug anything you want to plug. Rick, uh, do you have any site or anywhere that people you can direct to or not really? My, my only site is uh, genealogy related so unless you're interested in learning the, the history of my family uh, you probably don't want to go there but um, well, they're, the, I, they're the wisconsin's right no actually it's it's my given name uh snowy <laughs> is a very rare name and everyone in america who has that name gets it from the same individual who came here about 160 years ago oh very cool yeah. very cool there you go there you but, go but um my uh twitter handle is uh, Wisconsin is abbreviated, but it's Rick from WI. And uh, you can hit me up, follow me on Twitter. And uh, some people that I interact with enough, I kind of add on my Facebook sometimes for a little bit more interaction. And I really enjoy some of the podcasting friends I've made through Facebook, like Scott and uh, Wayne Henderson and Jim Arrowwood. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And how about you? Uh, tell us, uh, where can people find you on the interweb? Um, a bunch of spots. You can hear me do some voice acting for Pendant Audio and for Broken Seas, for HG World, for all of your zombie needs. Um, there, you can you can find me on a lot of spots there. They're all going to get listed on my website, um, mjustm.com. I know, so clever. Um, <laughs> I do voice acting, and um, I just got into doing audiobooks and some cartoons, and who knows, this... I might have a job where I work in my pajamas all day. Woo! <laughs> Oh, a nice. girl can dream. Yeah, right? you always can. It beats a commute, that's for sure. I know. And then I'm lucky enough you guys have let me record some of your bumpers. So oh, yeah. you can hear me on the Sci-Fi Downer podcast. <laughs> it's it's very true. It's very true. We're still playing with them. But uh, if you listen two shows back, we uh, we began to implement some of those bumpers. She's yes. been the voice of our intro for a while now. But true, true. See. Yes. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, but, but no, seriously, thank both of you for joining us here in the diner. Miles, I think it's about time for us to jet out of the diner here. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. 